0: The volume. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sunday Recap. One of my favorite shows to do. We're going to look around the landscape of the SEC and college football, including what was a wild weekend on Showdown Saturday. Uh, you, you look around the landscape uh, and you have... Upsets left and right. You had some great games come down to the end, uh, whether it's Alabama AM, and whether it's Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, all the way through the smaller conferences. It was just a great weekend of college football, as we've come to expect, in what's been a year full of parity. And if you're a college football fan, if you're a college football purist, I mean, th- this is love. This is love at first sight. At least it is for me. But I want to hop right into this thing because we have a lot to cover this morning, evening, afternoon, night, whenever you're listening to this. And I want to start with this Alabama A&M game. One that, to be honest with you, nobody really saw coming. You may have a few people, a and that faithful, that you know, always believed. We talked a little bit in our pregame show that we live stream on the volume. Make sure you hit that sub button on their YouTube channel and check out everything on there. That had a sneaking suspicion they may be able to run the ball a little bit. Because again, it goes back to what we talked about with Florida and Alabama. Everybody is going to get up to play Alabama. You're going to get Alabama's going to get the best shot from every team that they play and heavy is the crown. Heavy is the crown. And and if you're a, if you're a player, if you're a coach, if you're anybody that's on the staff or in the administration that's trying to compete, you want that cuz that means that you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're dominating. You've become kind of that shiny city on the hill uh, or that nice new car. That's what you've become. But that's hard. It's hard to get guys up for every game. It's hard to get guys operating at a great pace for every game. But when you look at this, it came down to multiple things. If you're going to beat a team like Alabama, you've got to be able to contribute in all three phases of the game. Offense, defense, and special teams. And while Alabama did score 38 points, while they did block a punt for a touchdown, A&M did something in all of those phases, some more than other, that were winning plays. The kick return following the block punt for a touchdown changed the momentum of the game. Defensively, getting stops when they needed them, especially late. Offensively, being balanced. We talk about on the J-Boy Show all the time that as an offense, balance keeps you on the beam. It's that simple. The more things the defense has to prepare for, the better chance you have to be able to take advantage of things. The less chance they have to be able to narrow their focus and take away what you do best. As a defensive guy, we used to call it dribbling with your left. How can we make them dribble with your left? Well, the best basketball players can dribble fluently with their right or their left. So it makes them a lot harder to guard and opens up a lot more opportunities offensively. But with a you have to start with the offense and really the offensive line. You know, that's kind of what a and was known for last year when they went on that run, winning 11 games, having the season that they had, was they were able to bully you up front. And with two freshmen I thought, starting on the offensive line, I thought the Foster kid looked really good last night. They've struggled to run the ball against teams this year. And not heavyweights, not juggernauts, really everybody. Going back to Colorado who we know now, isn't a great football team. So to be able to show up in the biggest moment against an Alabama defensive line that's very talented, front seven that's very talented, but looking at these numbers, (coughs) excuse me, looking at these numbers, overall, between Spiller and A-Chain, you had 24 carries for about... 80 yards. It wasn't it wasn't anything crazy, but they were getting the yards when they needed them. You got the touchdown from Spiller. You know, it, it wasn't the prettiest, but when they had to get third and two, and Bama knew they're running, AM knew they're running, I knew they're running, you knew they're running, your wife or your husband knew they're running, they were able to get it. And that's the difference. That's the difference. To me, I knew AM was going to be in the game when they hit their first two third and twos. Or they got in those, those third and short situations and just ran split zone. It's not like they got up there and ran jumbo and went elephant and had somebody jump over the pile to get two yards and you can just hope and hold each other's hands. No. They were able to line up and get it with a base football play. That told me a lot. So kudos to that offensive line. Now, Zach Calzada, the backup quarterback going into the year, had been getting a lot of heat from a and fans. But it shows you. Sometimes players get up for big games individually, but that run game and the threat of the run game allowed a and wide receivers and tight ends, including Jalen Watemeyer, a guy we get on the show weekly, excited to get him on this week. It lets those guys get a little more open. Takes that safety's eyes off them for one more split second. That linebacker may not trust the play action, so it gives you a little bit more room, and that's all you need at this level, but you still have to make the throws. Zach Calzada went 21 for 31 for 285 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Kid played the game of his life, and one of the things that stood out the most to me about him was late in the game in that fourth quarter, he gets rolled up, which happens a ton, can, it hobbles off the field, has to, has to be helped off the field. You know it's important when the head coach goes into the injury tent. And Jimbo Fisher was following him like he was the prettiest bell at the ball. Followed him into the injury tent. The guy came back out. You know, it was funny. They had a walk-on quarterback uh, behind him because Haynes King, who was their starter going into the year, is out to or, or at least mid-October. So just imagine if Calzada wasn't able to go back in. I think the kid's name's Blake Boast walk on, never taken a snap in college, and he would have been asked to lead what would would have attempted to be the game-winning drive against Alabama. Now Calzada came out there uh, and and ended up being okay, but the intermediate passing game was huge for AM. It was huge, it really was. Defensively, Tyree Johnson, those guys, Clements, getting after the passer. They Bryce, I thought, played a really good game. I mean, he played. He was twenty-eight for forty-eight for three hundred and seventy yards, three touchdowns, and he had that pick. They they did a good job. Mike Elko did the DC at A and M of mixing up pressures, uh, mixing up just rushing with four, and then kind of mixing mixing up his uh, drop package, his umbrella package. But I thought Bryce handled it pretty well his numbers aren't bad i mean brian robinson the running back had 24 carries for 150 yards but there's a common theme with the running backs in this game for alabama and i was shocked that bill o'brien didn't run the ball when they got to the five uh they late in the game brian robinson while he had 24 carries for 150 yards had zero touchdowns zero they did not have a rushing touchdown from the from the running backs which is weird to see for Alabama. Now, Jamison Williams went absolute dumb-dumb, especially late in the game. The catch he made on the two-point conversion was pure witchcraft and wizardry, 100%. That was Hogwarts certified right there, and the guy can fly. He really reminds me of Waddle a little bit when you watch him because they don't run, they glide. The guys that are the fastest, they, they glide. Now I always use the, the downhill slope analogy. When you're watching the Winter Olympics, and you're watching these guys on these skis go down this hill, while you know they're going fast, it doesn't look like they're going as fast as what they are because they're gliding, and it's smooth. That's how Jamison Williams is to me when he runs. I mean, he finished with 10 catches. That's a lot of catches in one game. 150 yards, two tuds, and the huge two-point conversion. Alabama had success through the air, but A&M just didn't let mistakes compound on them. And when Bama would score... Or oh, when Bama would get a little momentum, they would answer. And that was Bama's bag. That's what Alabama does to you. Then you look on the other side at a and receivers. They did a really good job spreading it around to the receivers and the backs. You had Smiths with six catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns, including the one, the corner, that was just an absolute sauce festival throw from Zach Calzada. You had Jalen Watemeyer, three catches, 73 yards and a touchdown. Surprised that Bama busted a couple times. It looked like the touchdown to Widermeyer. they busted in man. Because he just got dropped off. Linebacker just dropped him off. It may have been the nickel I'm trying to remember in my head. But uh, you can't drop guys in man. That's what it looked like to me. And then the backs. A-Chain had three catches for 45 yards. Isaiah Spiller had four catches for 43 yards. They're always moving forward. And now we look at, at the playoff picture. We look at the SEC West rankings and how crazy it is. And we're going to get into that Monday. It's going to be a crazy show. But it's, it's upside down world right now. It's stranger things right now. And you know what? You got to love it. You got to love it. Something different. It's actually beautiful. Coming off a year in which a lot of stuff was chalk. Talking about from a who finished where wise in college football. So what a huge win for Texas A&M. <clears throat> Let's see how they bounce back. Let's see how they rebound. Coming off a big win. We're going to go over the schedule here at the end. But, boy, Jimbo and and look, Jimbo said he was going to kick his ass during the summer. And he did. I didn't think they had a shot. I don't think a lot of people did. But, again, you watch what goes on, and this is what makes college football beautiful. You never know. With 18- to 22-year-olds, you literally never know. So hats off to Jimbo Fisher that whole staff, that whole program, the players. Excited to get Jalen Weidemeyer on. We're going to talk to him this week. Uh, probably going to drop that on Tuesday, so make sure you're there for that. Now, <clears throat> let's get to the rest of what's a crazy weekend. Arkansas and Ole Miss. And this game, we knew it was going to be good. I talked about it on social media. I, I don't think this game was getting the hype that it deserved. Just because Arkansas went on the road to the best team in the country, that is the Georgia Bulldogs, our preseason national championship pick and got throttled. That they're going to do that to a lot of teams, home or away. That doesn't take away and make them a bad team. It doesn't take away that they're a contender. Ole Miss, same thing goes to Bama. We're expecting it to be a high flying fireworks delight, and it ends up Ole Miss ends up getting shut out for the first half, and Bama just kind of put the windows down and cruise to that victory. But when you look at this game, Arkansas jumped out to the lead, and what I was interested to see is when we talked about the keys to the game was that who could stop the run? Which team could stop the run? You say, well, for Arkansas, that's obvious. But Jake, well, what are you talking about with Ole Miss? Ole Miss runs the ball about as well as anybody in the SEC. They led the SEC in rushing last year. You just don't know that because everybody thinks Lane Kiffin is, runs the air raid like Mike Leach. They do not. They're two totally different offenses. And the numbers in this game was crazy. was crazy. Let me take you through the last three quarters for Olmes points-wise. They got shut out in the first quarter. That's the second straight game that Ole Miss has not scored a point in the first quarter. Who'd have thought that? But in the second quarter, they scored 21. In the third quarter, they, third quarter, they scored 10. In the fourth quarter, they scored 21. It's not easy to score 21 points in a quarter. Then you look at Arkansas. They went 7 in the first, 7 in the second, 17 in the third and twenty in the fourth, guys. There was forty-one points scored in the fourth quarter in a fifteen-minute span. You mathematicians do the numbers on that. It was a wild and crazy game. Shout out Steve Martin. But when you watched it, the way it went, you know, you had some storylines building. I mean, you had KJ Jefferson, who grew up twenty minutes from Oxford, from Sardis, Mississippi. Coming home and having an unbelievable game. You have a guy like Matt Corral, a guy that a lot of people expect to be in the Heisman race. What kind of game was he going to have? A bounce back against Alabama? Could he create another Heisman moment? Is it a Heisman opportunity? But when you look at these numbers, it's nuts. It's nuts. Rushing stats. This is how crazy this is. Ole Miss. Paris Jr. had a 111 yards Snoop Conner 111 yards rushing Matt Corral 94 yards rushing two touchdowns because there was over 600 combined rushing yards in one game and I believe it was by the third quarter I believe it was the third quarter which is insane. It was the first FBS game that's been like that all season. That's why the key to the game was who could stop the run. Then you look at Arkansas. Rocket Sanders, 140 yards. KJ Jefferson, 85 yards and three touchdowns. Traylon Smith, 85 yards and a touchdown. They were running left and right. If you are a defensive guy, close your eyes. now, kind of the pace of the game and the way the game went. It was back and forth, but you had a lot of big plays. And see, that that's Ole Miss's game. That's Ole Miss's tempo. That's their pace. They don't want to go 8 to 10 plays. You know, Arkansas will go 8 to 10 plays, even though I will say, uh, with Burks making those wild catches, with KJ Jefferson being able to throw the vertical ball, Arkansas was able to answer a lot of big plays. But most of Arkansas's points were, were long drives. They were longer drives, kind of the way we expect from Arkansas. And Ole Miss kept the pace the way they wanted it all the way through the end. They want it high-flying. They want it fast. They want it clean. Arkansas wants to, wants to bulldoze you. Arkansas wants to kind of let their will partake on your team. They, they want to back you down in the corner and just physically dominate you. And they did that a ton to this Ole Miss defense. It's just a pretty evenly matched-up game. And going into this game... It was fascinating to me because you had very, very different ideologies or philosophies offensively. And you had very similar ideologies and philosophies defensively. And we were going to see who would rue the day. But surprise Barry Odom and that defense struggled as bad as they didn't. It wasn't it, it, there were some great plays being made by Ole Miss, I mean, without a doubt, but you had a busted coverage to Drummond that was a 67 yard touchdown. And then you were getting hit with lead zone. I mean, they were killing them with Snoop Connor in lead zone. Hit two huge plays off of it. And Arkansas really didn't adjust. And when you got guys like Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry, typically you adjust. Bumper pool. I was just very surprised that Arkansas struggled like that defensively. And if you look, I mean, I don't want to get into the SEC West rankings right now, but this was a big one. This is a big one to be able to go to the Sugar Bowl. This is a big one for a New Year's Six opportunity. And Arkansas falls to four and two, one and two in the SEC, Ole Miss four and one, one and one in the SEC. And there's plenty of more opportunities. And I tell Arkansas fans this: Look, you're playing with house money. The last two weeks, you went and took on a Georgia team that we all know is just full of studs. You took on an Ole Miss team at home that needed a win after an embarrassing performance, and you were hanging right with them. And Arkansas has shown you that can be somewhat malleable to who they're playing, but it just wasn't enough. Matt Corral finished with 287, uh, three touchdowns, I believe. Let me double-check that real quick for you guys uh, in what he made a couple throws. Yeah, he finished 14 for 21 for 287 and two touchdowns. He made a couple throws. The whole shot he threw uh, really kind of stuck it. Uh, when, when uh, Arkansas was in cover, two there in the fourth quarter. That was just a huge throw. And then downfield, his ability to put the ball where it needs to be. But the story was the running game. And that does include Matt Corral, and that does include KJ Jefferson. I mean, they had a combined five rushing touchdowns between the quarterbacks. And we're not talking Army versus Air Force or Navy versus Army. This is almost versus Arkansas. And you have the quarterbacks rushing for a combined five touchdowns which is wild. And it was a great game. And I'm interested to see how these teams kind of move on from this. You know, I think the culture at Arkansas is fine. Sam Pittman will be able to handle that. I'm not worried about that as they're building over there. We'll probably have Grant Morgan on again this week. But if you're Ole Miss and you're looking ahead, found a little mojo there. Look, the defense, as we've talked about all year, and everybody earlier in the season was like, oh, Ole Miss's defense is a good defense, You know, it's, it's, it's not the worst anymore. Well, they couldn't have been as bad as they were last year with the additions that they made. But they are not nearly where they need to be to compete against these elite teams. I don't care how good your offense is. I don't. It goes back to what we were saying with Alabama and A&M. The reason A&M was able to beat Alabama because they were able to be balanced on offense. That's it. You don't win a war with just AR-15s. You need tanks. You need planes. You need balance. You need to keep the enemy guessing. In football, on offense, versatility leads to ability. And really, scoring ability. And if you can funnel the ball to one direction, because I'll Miss again, and you're going to see this when they play elite teams until that defense is fixed. Teams that survive a season and that thrive at the end of the season, they can beat you in multiple ways. It's the March Madness theory. The college basketball teams that go the deepest in the tournament can beat you in a rock fight when the three ball's not falling. They can beat you in a transition game. They can beat you in an offensive shootout. Versatility. That's how you make the move. And that's one area Arkansas defensively, or excuse me, Ole Miss defensively, has got to take that next step if they want to take the biggest next step and maybe win the West. So a heck of a game there. Heck of a game there. Auburn, Georgia. This game went about like it thought it was, but when you go back and watch the tape, personnel-wise, Georgia and Auburn are, are totally different. Georgia has a lot of guys that are going to play on Sunday, especially on that defense. Auburn doesn't have many. They have a couple. And up front, I thought the offensive line played for Auburn about as good as their ability would let them. But there were chances in the game. The crazy part, if you're an Auburn fan and you're looking at that game and you go back and watch it, Georgia really didn't win that game. Auburn lost it. Auburn had opportunities the first drive. Drop touchdown pass. The wide receiver room outside of a couple guys is not good at Auburn. They're not very good. You're not going to see a lot of those guys down the road playing at Auburn with Brian Harson. I think they're going to hit the portal pretty hard. You, know, you can find receivers that are young guys to come in. But against a team like Georgia, you don't get many opportunities for big plays or many opportunities for momentum-changing plays. And to beat a team like Georgia, you have to take advantage of pretty much every one of them. Auburn really didn't take advantage of any of them. I thought Bo Nix was pretty good. But, I mean, you have guys that that, look, you're either a dog or you're not. It's very simple. It's very simple. You're either a dog or you're not. That doesn't mean that guys aren't going to drop balls every now and then. But Auburn really doesn't have a dog in that wide receiver room. Just a bunch of guys. Just okay. Didn't step up and meet the moment. You could say Kobe Hudson, maybe. But outside of that, like I say on the show, everybody else just on the back of a milk carton. But Georgia was able to just wait them out. That's what Georgia, you're going to see them do with Stetson Bennett in offense with guys that are still beat up. They're just going to wait you out and then lean on you in the second half with the run game. And Stetson Bennett was really good for Georgia. I think Georgia can win the whole thing with Stetson Bennett. And when you're able to sit back there for a seven count, hell, I've been to violin recitals that ended quicker than some of Stetson Bennett's time in the pocket. It's tough to cover guys for six, seven seconds. And it's tough to be deficient where Auburn's deficient. At the offensive line, at the wide receiver position, and really as a pass-rushing defensive line. You know, against the run, Auburn's defensive line isn't that bad. And I thought Georgia's offensive line didn't play super well yesterday in the first half. I think Georgia fans will agree with me there. I know Sawyer's a little banged up, guy that we have on the show. Excited to talk to him this week. But Georgia knew going into this game how elite their defense was, especially compared to Auburn and compared to what Auburn's offense could do. But you marry that with not taking advantage of guys being open, not taking advantage of having the ball hit you right in your hands. Defensively, I didn't think Auburn was, was bad in, in many areas, but when you don't have a pass rush, when you can't get after the passer with four, and then you don't make the adjustment in blitz, and you let the guys sit back there all day, Guys are going to get open. It's just how it is. And that's what you saw a lot yesterday. You saw it a lot yesterday. And some of the defensive defensive linemen, the the pass rush guys, have been a huge disappointment for Auburn. Wouldn't be surprised to see some of those guys end up not coming back next year. Because if you're Brian Harson, and I talk about this all the time, it's a player's game. You can't ask a horse that is the slowest and most unathletic horse to go out there and win the Kentucky Derby. Doesn't work like that. It Doesn't matter how good the jockey is. It doesn't matter. He can be the great. It can be a Toby Maguire secretariat jockey situation, and it's still not going to matter. You can have great coaches with average players look like average coaches. You can have average coaches with great players at Ordron look like geniuses. It's about personnel. Kirby Smart and Georgia's done an unbelievable job of building depth and personnel and confidence. And the question now, if I'm a Georgia fan, how long do we wait until Stetson's just the guy? If JT Daniels isn't starting by the Florida game and Georgia's winning and playing like this, I don't think you can put him in. Stetson is handling business, and he brings this running element. He's just sneaky. You know, hundreds or or even a thousand years ago, I think Stetson Bennett would be the guy that handed the message on the scroll to run to the next town when something bad was happening they needed somebody to get there quick. They weren't going to tie it to a bird. They weren't going to hop in the Range Rover. They'd be like, hey, Stetson, come here. Let me hand this to you and then just run. Run as fast as you can. You're our only hope. You're the Paul Revere without a horse. And that's who Stetson Bennett is, a.k.a. the accountant. He's going to crunch the numbers, make the right decision, and do a great job handing it off. And if you would have told me that Georgia would come out and some of their biggest threats would be Stetson Bennett to Ladd McConkey, I would have said, what case are you talking about? Not national championship, but kudos to those guys. And kudos to that Georgia team for not folding when JT Daniels went down or, or they knew that that oblique and that lat wasn't good on the throwing side yet. But if you're Georgia, you have a lot of what we call good problems. Every college football season as a team, you go through problems. You just want some of them to be good problems. Georgia right now has good problems. And I think you're going to see them continue to evolve offensively as they continue to get guys back and healthier, and that chemistry continues to build. And the defense, look, we all know that that defense is unbelievable you have a, a better chance of beating gravity than you do that defense on every level. And even saying that, Auburn had chances. I thought Mike Bobo caught a pretty good game outside of you know throwing the ball to Sean Shivers as many times as they did. And if you're Auburn, like the mistakes, the, oh, it hit Sean Shivers in the helmet, then they intercepted it. Here's a free three points. It kills you against Georgia. You can't do it. You can't do it. But Auburn's just not ready personnel-wise yet. And if you want to blame Brian Harson for that, I guess you kind of can a little bit. But, but if, if you're laying it all at his feet, let me be the first to tell you, you're reaching. You're reaching. He has to have time to bring his players in. How much time does that take? At least two to three years. It's part of the deal. <clears throat> it just shows you what Gus Malzahn left the program with. Nothing. Because nobody wanted to play in that pop-up book offense. So it takes time and it's a game of personnel. And early we saw it was kind of a rock fight back and forth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kind of a rock fight back and forth, which is the only way that Auburn's going to be able to win I said all week. The only way Auburn wins is if it's 14 to 10 or 17 to 14. They weren't going to win this game 41 to 34. I don't think they could score 41 against Georgia's defense in 3 3 games. Maybe 4. So, having said that, if you're Auburn, you look around, <laughs> still control your own destiny. We all know Georgia controls their own destiny. The game that, that I thought was going to actually end up being closer than what it was, Cone covered on the spread, which, by the way, 15-6 and six this weekend overall in bets. We continue to stay hot. Going to drop some more sharps tomorrow, so make sure you're following us on the J-Boy Show on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram as well. And, and make, sh- make daggum sure that you're subscribed to the Volume YouTube channel because we got some great guests and content coming this week. But I'm not done. LSU and Kentucky. My, my, how the tables have turned. Who would have thought that we'd ever be sitting here saying that LSU is a trap game in football for Kentucky? It's wild to me. It shows you the evolution of college football in the SEC, and it shows you the depth and the breadth of what you're able to accomplish in a conference outside of Vanderbilt that says, go get it. And Mark Stoops and and the boys in Lexington and Liam Cohen, they have gone and got it. And they really, from the rip, came out, forced a turnover early against LSU. And look, the, the the sad part if you're an LSU fan, and, and I'll get to the Seto thing, <clears throat> is that you don't have horrible players. Now, the offensive line personnel isn't great. You've seen their lack of ability to run the ball, even though Davis Price had 147 rushing yards yesterday with a long of 30 and two touchdowns, but just consistently throughout the year. But Kentucky, guys, was the better team and the better Coach team and it's weird saying that about kentucky football and and against lsu football but they did a really good job of just being kentucky i always talk about that that show on, on abc ABC, whatever this is us with will levis this is us i mean will levis goes very efficient 14 of 17 150 yards passing three touchdowns chris rodriguez Goes for 16 and 147 and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, One of the best names in college football, Kavassi A. Smoke. The uh, the ladies' man goes for 12 and 104. And then Will Levis had 11 touches, or excuse me, 11 uh, carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns. It was just a quarterback rushing touchdown scoring fest in the SEC yesterday. It really was. But they just soundly beat him. I mean, Max Johnson wasn't bad, 22 at 38 for 261 and a touchdown. But look, good teams find ways to win games. Bad teams find ways to lose games. And that's been LSU's problem. And this is it for Ed O. He's done. I would not be shocked if we heard something today on Sunday. I don't know when you're listening to this, but I would not be shocked if Ed Orgeron was gone by today. And what a fall from grace. A Chiswick-esque fall from grace. Now, the off-the-field stuff was a little bit different. You know, Coach Chizik you know, never really had to deal with that outside of Cam Newton. But when you look at this Kentucky team, they're just solid. And we asked, would they be able to come down from the high that they had the week before about beating Florida, the way you have to get up to beat a team like Florida in an environment like that? And the answer, yes. And it shows me that Mark Stoops has as much control and as much faith in that locker room, for that locker room, by that locker room, to be able to continue to put good performances on the field and wins on the board. We pick Kentucky to finish second in the East before the season, and it's really looking like that. Can they compete with Georgia? Don't think so. I don't care if they played that in Mark Stoops' backyard. Georgia's that elevated to me when you look at them and the rest of the country. And it's the truth. But this is this is just a good look for Kentucky. It's a good look for college football, and it's a terrible look for LSU. And if you're an LSU fan, and you're watching the athletes that you're having, you're wondering, why the hell can't we win? Well, it goes back to what we started this whole bad boy on. Balance. Balance offensively. Balance on your team. Being able to have three phases— that scare people, that they have to prepare for. That's what makes it difficult. And I believe, as I said, it's the end of the road for Edo and LSU. And we're going to be talking about this all week. Now, next week, another huge weekend in the SEC. And you've got to love it, including a very interesting East showdown that I don't think is going to be interesting a and goes and plays a bad Missouri team, but I want to start from the top. Auburn plays Arkansas at noon Eastern in a huge game for the SEC West because now look at the West. Just look at it. Bama has a loss, division loss. Auburn has a loss, non-division loss. Arkansas has two losses. LSU, uh, I think you can book him out. Mississippi State, a team that beat A&M that just beat Alabama. That's why we don't use the transitive property when we bet. That's exactly why. So you've got Auburn and Arkansas at noon Eastern. Huge SEC West showdown. You've got Florida and LSU noon Eastern. Big opportunity for LSU. Will Edo be there? Will he not be there? We'll see. a and goes and plays a bad Missouri team, and I think they'll get even more confidence running the ball because Missouri is one of the worst SEC defenses outside of Vanderbilt that I've seen in a long time. I mean, they, they couldn't tackle a, a short division problem in a fourth-grade classroom. Then you have Kentucky, goes to Georgia. Best of luck with that. Georgia is going to be number one in the country. It's going to be high-flying. I'm sure we'll see Stetson Bennett again. Kentucky's had a great run. Not ready for this, though. Not ready for the atmosphere. Vanderbilt goes and play South Carolina. Be a good job, a good opportunity for Shane Beamer. Get an SEC win on the board. It's going to take time there, guys. It, it is. Personnel's personnel. Then Alabama. Can they bounce back? Going to a Mississippi State team. It's got a little confidence. Coming off a bye, I believe. Got a quarterback, Will Rogers. Now, Alabama has a ton more talent. And Nick Saban does a great job defending the air raid. That's a sneaky little game. How does Bama bounce back? How does Mississippi State handle the moment on ESPN at 7 Eastern? Then you have Ole Miss going to play Tennessee. Tennessee, been hot, scored 64 on Missouri. Dropped South Carolina like a bad habit yesterday. Can they do it against a team that's worth their salt? That's been the question, but... Ole Miss doesn't have a ton of depth on defense either, and they both operate at a very high speed. Kind of have some similar ideologies going in this one, even though Tennessee goes warp speed. Warp speed. But I think these defenses are very similar. And I do want to say before we get out of here about Texas and Oklahoma. Great game to watch. Back and forth. Texas jumped out. Oklahoma came back. Radler gets benched thought the momentum really changed when Caleb Williams came in and hit on that big run. But the tackling and the defense is so bad at those two schools. Just bad. And I said before the season, Oklahoma fans and Texas fans grilled me about this. I don't see Oklahoma or Texas making the SEC championship game in at least the first two to three years. And then you'll you'll have people say, oh, well, look at Arkansas and Ole Miss. Look at that high-scoring game. What do you mean? You have to come in the conference in the regular season and see it. It's very simple. This isn't the one-off bowl game. This isn't the, the, the we have eight guys opting out for the NFL, but you, you beat Florida. It's not that. It's every week you're seeing it. And you have to have a defense that, while it may not be great every game, has got to be able to be dominant in a couple games and really good in most of the others. And, and Texas and Oklahoma... They're just not there yet. All I was told by Oklahoma fans, oh, Alex Grinch, how the Grinch stole your offense. They're not good on defense. I don't know how good either one of those teams really are. I mean, Arkansas beat Texas up like a supervillain. So... To the Oklahoma and Texas fans out there, we love you. We have a great audience of Texas and Oklahoma fans. I think you guys agree with me. Y'all are smart football fans. You guys know. And some games, are they crazy and kind of a shootout? Yeah, it gets like that sometimes. But the tackling was bad from the word go. From the word go. It'll be interesting to watch. Big win by Iowa as well. We're going to talk about it all this week. It's, it's another huge week. Uh, the SEC West is an absolute jumbled mess right now, which is just amazing to watch. So you need to be subscribed to the volume. You need to check out our show. If you love college football and you want to talk ball, if that's what you want to talk about, and talk about the games and talk about what happened, but on a, on a level and from a perspective that you're not used to, come check us out. If you haven't, if this is the first time you're hearing me, we have three guys that do it. I played at South Alabama. My brother played at Western Colorado on the show, and David Cohn played quarterback at Michigan. I'm telling you, you'll really enjoy it. So you need to go to the volume on the YouTube, subscribe. We go every weekday from 2 to 3 Central, that's 3 to 4 Eastern, live, and we take your questions and comments. Our live chat's called The Booster Club. We literally take what you say in there and talk about it live on the show and our audience continues to grow at a rapid rate because of you guys and spreading the word. So if you haven't checked us out, come check us out. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere. Our slogans will win the water cooler because I want our audience to be the most informed audience that there can be. Do I have all the answers? No. But I have a whole hell of a lot of them. Y'all have a great Sunday or whenever you're listening to this. Catch us weekly and on the weekends. The volume.